This is Fusion Music Radio's Birds of a Feather. Well, we are an indie music focus show rife with witty, fuck-late, and insanely interesting and unhinged banter. And our fascinating fun features will fluster, flummox, fulfill, and thrill you. Well, who the hell am I? Well, let me share. I am the vocalist for the dark alt-rock band Ascent. And sometimes it amazes me that I'm still standing. I cry at night. The tears flow just like strange rain. I want love. All I have is the memory of love. I would sacrifice all the shooting stars all across the heavens for the greatest discovery, the one, my phoenix, my salvation, my own rocket man to fill my empty sky. Goodbye, yellow brick road. True love is written in the stars for this woman that is equal parts Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Nice. Well played, uh... Uh, it was very beautiful and very poetic. I suspect that uh, some of that might not be your original material. Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that when I do a little research. But uh, the uh, <clears throat> those some of those phrases sound familiar. Right? Hmm. Anyway, and I'm uh, merely Professor Pea Soup. And uh, so, so who is that? Uh, well, he's the cat that won't cop out when there's danger all about. Because by then it's too late anyway. <laughs> but if he sees it coming a half a mile away, that's another story. He's the man who will risk his neck for his brother man. Of course, the criteria for qualifying as a brother man is really quite stringent. He's a complicated man, and no one understands him but his woman. Uh, Except for the complicated part. He's one of a very few people who has no such pretensions. And he ain't got no woman, but if he did, she probably wouldn't understand him because he doesn't pretend to be complicated. And the sex machine with all the chicks? Well, we're talking about pea soup, not John Shaft. But... Has Shaft ever co-hosted or produced six radio shows? So I ask you, who's cooler? And thus ends the entirety and some of my preparation for the show. From here in, it shall be the usual seat-of-the-pants debacle. And with that disclosure made, it is, as our British friends are wont to say, over to you, Cookie. I tried to do an Elton John tribute with 19 titles, and you fucking follow with that? Holy did, shit. Did I cover all the bases? Did I really kind of give them the uh, essence of me? I feel like you did. I, feel, <laughs> I mean, the essence of you through your skewed view. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. Wow. We're having a good time here tonight in both studios. It's a special night. You know why? Because we went out. We went to a restaurant, and we were actually allowed to sit down and eat at a table yeah, in a restaurant. Yeah, it was very delicious. Uh, two years from now, you're going to be listening to this going like, why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal to you people? Exactly what I was going to say. Well, Billy, trust me, it's a big deal right now. So hopefully the show will rise to the level of the the pre-show meal, which is a uh, part of the ritual and uh, yes. it's absolutely essential, just like the beverages, you know. Correct. You know, I want to I want to introduce a little something special this time. You see, Last time, you sneeringly, my co-hosts are sneeringly made a crack about everything coming back to James Bond if, with me. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going could to... be more true. I am... I, that's right. I am mercilessly going to prove that pretty much does, either comes back to James Bond or Pat Boone. Or? 
or kiss, kiss as you helpfully added, or <laughs> Batman. Now or watch Batman. and see just how many times there's a tie in there. So that will be coming up. And uh, we got a little different format this time, right? little change for the new year? Yeah, a little change for the new year. We have uh, done a couple things. First of all, we've done away with the 10 songs because what we heard from you is that you want more features. You want more us. So we have inserted more us. God, who knew that there could be more? But we have. And actually, for this first show, we actually went back and took a look at some of the songs that were submitted but not used because they were not on theme. Mm -hmm. So this show will actually feature some of the songs that we loved that you sent us but were not on theme. So again, we are really, you know, kind of taking liberties and we're enjoying the fuck out of it. So this time we'll be introducing five songs again to meet with our new five format and uh, it will be a mystery. No one has any idea. We'll go back to themes shortly Mm -hmm. but we're, again, taking liberties. And but rest assured, I don't want you to be uneasy now because no. I know you depend on us. Rest assured, the the uh, completely incongruous asides and non sequiturs and tangents and lunkhead laughter will remain firmly in place. Of course, so we're I not mean, gonna we're not gonna throw out the baby with the bathwater here. I you mean, know? how can that's to be removing us from the equation? Yeah, right. You, <laughs> you know? can't do that. I mean, uh, that's all there is. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so no, those things will remain intact. Absolutely. Uh, it looks like you are going to talk about something very very important. To kick us off. Oh, that's right. Uh, I noticed what the uh, Bird Banter Part 1 was about, but I didn't notice my name in bold type mm. at the left. All right, well, she's made it easy by uh, basically handing me handing it to me on a silver platter, like the one we use here in both studio. the super, super classy-ass classy dollar store silver platter. You simply will not believe this You thing. will not believe I it. I mean... Classy-ass. The whole studio atmosphere has to be classy. Everything has to be classy Absolutely. for us to put us a classy-as-fuck show like this. Classy-as-fuck, right. exactly. Thank you. Well, and the subject for Bird Bender Part 1 is helpfully laid out uh, for me by Christina. Legends that we lost in the year 2020. Uh, there's always a year-end wrap-up, and it usually will include, not by way of being morbid, but by way of being, there's the weighty part that we sometimes throw in. Correct. Uh, by way of uh, being uh, reverential and doing homage to these great legends. So I'm going to name some of them and talk a little bit about the personal application of some of them to me, and maybe Christina will do the same. Of I don't course. know what... She didn't write that in here, so... <laughs> well, actually, she isn't here. All right, well, most recently, my first guitar hero in life, Leslie West of Mountain. Mm. Uh, just, I mean, this was the big man. This was the doctor. This was the great Fatsby. That was his own... That's his name, the name of one of his albums. In fact, his first album was called Mountain. And joining up with legendary producer, bass player, vocalist, songwriter, Felix Papillardi, took on the name Mountain as a group. And, of course, they're large... Largely known for the their ultra classic, I think it's Homer Simpson's favorite song. Not that I've ever watched <laughs> The Simpsons, Mississippi Queen, which is sung by Leslie West. I've commented before about the beautiful dichotomy of the vocals of Mountain, the smooth and clear and high voice of Felix Papillardi and the gravelly roar of Leslie West. The great man uh, passed away just a, just a well, less than a week ago. Yeah. Terrible thing, terrible thing. And he was uh, seventy five years old. Survived having a leg removed, I believe mm-hmm. it was diabetes, and then uh, like 10, 11 years ago, kept on playing, kept the mountain flame alive to the very end. Well, again, the first time in my life I was ever conscious of a guitar player and saying, 
oh, I love this guitar playing. It was Leslie West. The two big bands in my when I was a kid and I was like nine single digit age. Picture that. I mean the Stone Age, Mountain and Grand Funk Railroad. But I love Mark Farner as a singer songwriter. But he wasn't a guitar hero. Leslie West was. Right. And uh, he played with a lot of people. He played with uh, more people than I can even name. Jack Bruce. The Who, I mean, he played with everybody. He was revered by everybody. And Leslie West is a, is a personal hero of mine, so that's really, uh, really sad. But nice. and a lot of the great guitar players are paying him uh, tribute now since he's gone. Oh, next up, the guitar player, a guitar hero uh, of many, many people. Uh, a couple of months ago, we lost Eddie Van Halen. Now, you know we're both big mm. Van Halen uh Huge fans, Van Halen uh, fans, yes. And I, I love his playing, but honestly, it's more the music of Van Halen. Superb drumming by Alex Van Halen, but Eddie. I mean, Eddie was Eddie. really the architect of Van Halen. Yeah, a lot of great tributes uh, have come in for him, but very few of them moved me, quite like Gene Simmons's did, because mm. uh, Gene Simmons and Kiss were very instrumental in getting Van Halen uh, started. In fact, they recorded Van Halen's, Gene Simmons recorded Van Halen's first demo. Not long before Eddie died, he, he met him on Sunset Strip, and he showed him his, you know, the cancer in his mouth and everything, the poor guy. And he said, he was in tears when he said he lived life the way it should be lived. You know, he was happy, he was contented, he, was, he loved what he was doing. He loved, uh, you know, he was a lover of life and a lover of music and a great musician. And that was really sad uh, mm-hmm. to lose Eddie Van Halen. 65. Because we're both huge fans. Only 65, too. This next one, I love this lady, Helen Reddy, who had voluntarily retired from music just because she was contented not to not to do music anymore, was absolutely one of the most beautiful voices that pop music has ever had and quite enjoyable as an actress too she's really cute i think she's very cute and likable and forceful on screen and she sang like an angel and she did occasionally at least as my almost 60 year old memory serves co-host or host the midnight special which Mm -hmm. was if you were around in the 70s this was the show to see midnight special don kirshner's rock concert wolfman jack hosted midnight special and helen reddy i remember her specifically introducing uriah heap one time Mm. and uh she was uh so she was a host on that show because she's just good at that kind of stuff and one of the greatest pop singers we've ever had as far as i'm concerned and I, i just love helen reddy so that was a that was a big one for me and Mac Davis. For some reason, I got five older siblings now. My parents took the uh, baby boom very seriously. They wanted to be a major driving force of that. They were a major contributor. They were. They they made a significant. I mean, their country. Uh, they served their country well. They did. They did for sure. I mean, we needed kids. Bang. Bam. They, they popped them kids. out. But uh, these were playing in our household. In addition to Mountain, in addition to Grand Funk Railroad, we had all these country, country-esque records by people like Mel Tillis. Great country singer, by the way. Terrible stutter when he spoke. Could sing like a dream. No Doesn't problem. Even matter. Doesn't even matter. Yep. Charlie Pride was there. And also, Mac Davis. Mac Davis is also an actor uh, sometimes. He wasn't that old. He was only 78. Now, in the classic rock arena, even though... Southern rock, but still. I mean, back in radio rock, classic rock, there was no escaping Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels. Great guitar player, singer, violin player, songwriter, and uh, band leader. And Charlie Daniels' band was, we loved Charlie Daniels' band. We listened to them. Absolutely. And um, uh, started putting out gospel records. I had the first one. It was called The Doors. Quite good. He's uh, he's very good no matter what he does. He's very outspoken, very... uh, very uh, fire-breathing, uh, yes. opinionated, patriotic dude, and a great musician. And, uh, yep, Charlie Daniels is gone. Of course, you would all remember him from the uh, absolute classic, uh, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. That ah. song, anytime that song comes on, I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of music you like. We all stop in our tracks 
We play the you know the imaginary fiddle. Yep. We are all trying We're all trying to sing, you know, sing every single lyric, and it's just it's so badass. It's so well done. It literally appeals to everyone. I can't, I don't know that I've talked to anyone who's heard the song who doesn't. Oh, that fucking song rocks. And uh, the legend of uh, Wooly Swamp. Oh, just just uh, fantastic stuff. The Charlie list goes Daniels. on and on. It does go on and on. All right, Bonnie Pointer uh, of the Pointer Sisters. We now, are huge Pointer Sister fans in this room. Now I can't sing. Or out from the rest of the Pointer Sisters, but I mean, I know I know the Pointer Sisters, and they are. Oh. So Bonnie Pointer to me was probably not that they all you know aren't charismatic, but she was probably the most charismatic. I remember whenever there would be a video, I would watch her like a hawk. I just I feel like I watched her a lot and learned a lot about having some sort of stage presence from mm-hmm. her, how she worked a video, how she looked at the camera. Um, and that is one part of her. And she was, I think, just beautiful. And then comes these voices. I mean, songs like Automatic, I can't even, I can't even handle mm. how amazing their voices are, how beautiful those three voices work together. Huge Pointer Sister fan here. So I had to weigh in on the loss of Bonnie. And next up, the oldest person on the list, yep. oh, by only a year, though, mm-hmm. Little Richard. Talk about a legend. Talk about, this is another one of those architects of rock and roll. Yeah, absolutely. Those, one of those guys. This is what made rock and roll rock back in the day. And, you know, in the time of segregation back then... Uh, Pat Boone. You notice how everything comes back to Pat Boone, or, or one of those is. four. Here it is, Pat there Boone. Is. Well, there's a definite tie between them, because the music of Little Richard. A lot of people bag on the likes of Pat Boone for doing their, you know, uh, eh, you know, their kind of uh, sanitized, uh, you know, white bread versions of hit songs. But he brought the music of Little Richard to places where it wouldn't ordinarily have gone. And these, you know, white suburban parents wouldn't let their kids listen to Little Richard. Well, they could hear Pat Boone though, and he would be singing the. The songs of Richard Penniman, the great, and he went on to be, oh, a television host and uh, a preacher and just about everything. He was a incredibly flamboyant and colorful and uh, extremely talented and powerful artist, and uh, he's influenced a lot of people. I well, mean, let me share some of those influences. The Beatles, Otis Redding, The Sonics, CCR, Led Zeppelin, Elton John, Queen, Prince, Motorhead, John Waters. Do I need to say more? No, no. I mean, Little Richard is so influential in so many ways and has influenced so many different kinds of music and continues to this day to influence people, influence their sound, and also the way that they carry themselves on stage because he was a performer like no other. Oh, he was. There's probably not a rock artist on earth who's not not been influenced by one or all of uh, Elvis, Chuck Berry... Buddy Holly, Little Richard, or mm, all true. you know, all the one or all. True. I mean, it's uh, they are. There's no getting around them. They started everything. Absolutely. With all due respect to the likes, you know, Bill Haley and his comments oh, and people like there's that. I mean, you I know, mean, I'm not saying they didn't so many, contribute, but, but uh, there was just there's people at this the next level that yep. just took it, took us where we needed to go. Oh my goodness, this next one I didn't even know about this. <gasps> Bill Withers, oh, one of those. Move the sweetest oh, R&B singers. Beautiful. Everybody knows Use Me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've been trying to talk uh, Punkin' here into doing a version of Use Me. Still working on Still it. Still working on it. I can. I participated in an, uh, uh, kind of a spaced-out adaptation of the song, uh, rapping and playing lead guitar unsolicited. And do I need to but, say, but, ain't no sunshine when, when she's, she's gone. gone. Oh, oh, and then... 
just the two of us lean on me yeah oh i want to spend the night i just there's just oh so many and that voice is timeless everybody knows the voice even if you don't know the name mm-hmm. and you don't know the title of the song as soon as you hear it you're like oh there I know it the is. song i know the voice who's Bill that guy who's Withers. that guy and when you add all the songs up it's like wow there's that many of them and it's the one guy yes you know That's great right. uh, great performer uh, uh, at the sa- he was 81, 81, 81, and at the same age, somebody, I mean, you gotta love this guy. Another sort of country, but not really country pop crossover, yep. storytelling songwriter, uh, fine, and originally, of course, more of a rock and roller, actually, For sure. with yeah. the first edition, Mr. Kenny Rogers, and yes, restaurateur as well. But um, I haven't seen one of those roasters around in a long time. Gone you know? for a while. Gone, wow. Yeah. But uh, Kenny Rogers, I mean... Who out there does not have one Kenny Rogers song, at least, that they love? Come on oh. now. I mean, we do here. We oh. certainly... He's highly revered here. Absolutely. So, yeah, Kenny Rogers, man. Another one. It's... Um, I remember thinking, this is the first guy, and this doesn't happen to me very often. First of all, first country guy that I really, 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 really liked. Um, but then the thing was, I remember I heard his voice, and then I saw him, and I was like, that's what I expected him to look like. Yeah. <laughs> and it was perfect and I thought that's perfect and he just there was this kind of elegance uh this kind of understated gentleman thing about him uh I also I just that voice that little there's a little scratch in it a little soul in it oh and when he sang lady I just I thought someday I hope a guy will feel about me the way that he feels about this woman so beautiful and uh, I just that voice, Lucille. She, she believes, believes in me. In me. Oh. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> even back in the early days, there's the video of him out there, the first edition doing "Just Dropped In" to see what condition my oh. condition was in. Yes. He's playing bass. It's freaking awesome. What you know? is that? I know. Just dropped in to see. Oh, fantastic! So, uh, Kenny Rogers is such a legend, and an actor course. too, by the way. Uh, duets with Dolly. Know you know, when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Oh, come you on. Never count and your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the, the dealing's done. done. I mean, come, come on. Come on now, Kenny folks. Fucking you were singing along, I hope. Some you of you were singing you along. You were singing along. Anyway, and finally, at only 67 years old, and I, mm. I swear I don't know what this gentleman died of. The amazing drummer and lyricist. Now, that is a rare combination, and somebody on the show tonight fits that bill as well. Drummer, lyricist, who does not sing. That's a pretty unusual uh, (laughs) little formula there. (laughs) Neil Pert of Rush. Uh, I mean, Rush existed before him, but, I mean, it wasn't really the Rush that became the super group that they were, the uh, superstar band that they were, without the contributions of Neil Pert, one of the most spectacular drummers uh, which Rush's music called for. Very progressive uh, power trio, in- incomparable power trio. No three men ever got together and made a sound quite like these guys did. I like drum solos too. I don't play drums, not really. I mean, very minimally, but I love watching drum solos because it's such an amazing instrument. And I was very privileged to see them uh, way, way back in the day, Farewell to Kings Tour, mm-hmm. with a little ensemble opening for them called ACDC from Australia. And uh, he was they were just spectacular then and to the very end. And, and Rush, Bruce saw their last ever live show. Really? He was at their last ever live show? Wow. 
You know, and when people like Bruce, for example, uh, begin with drums or they have that, you know, relationship with drums, drums is such a part of them, they almost start to identify themselves first as drummers. Oh, he, he definitely, he definitely does. He definitely does. As did Karen Carpenter. Oh, I for mean, sure. Karen Carpenter, I'm a drummer who sings. You know, she was a drummer. She loved her instrument. She was damn good at it, too. Yeah, Bruce is a drummer who plays everything and writes and does lyrics. I mean, he's, it's but ridiculous. He's yeah. <laughs> but he'll tell you, I'm a drummer. Yeah. You know? That's like, I would say, like I'm a bass player who is forced to do all the other shit, but I'm not even that great at that. Who's forced to do all the other stuff same same way? So, but that's uh, some. We probably missed some, but that's uh, some of the uh, legends that we lost in 2020, and uh, we got to share a little bit about them and remembering them. And of course, all their music lives on. And thank God we have recorded music. There was once a time when music was written down, right. and you had somebody had to actually play it for you. But now we have recordings, and uh, we're, we're very fortunate to be able to access any music. And even check out music that would ordinarily be unavailable to us via Spotify. And now it's time for Hell Yes or Oh Hell No. For this feature, we consider bands, artists, acts, and determine if we're in or out. And we also ask you to weigh in. We solicit your opinions, and we want to know what you think. And you never disappoint us in that area. And the last one we petitioned you to uh, disclose your uh, innermost feelings about was Sir Elton John. And the results are pretty uh, clear on this one. Pretty clear. Pretty uh Pretty uh, kind of a landslide here. Yes. You know. uh, hell yes, 96% of people were definitely for Elton John. Uh, only one was neutral. 1% was neutral. Nobody was against him. What does early in mean? 3%. So I'm, I'm, I fall into this category. Early in is his early stuff. Ah. Once you get to the later stuff, like the Can You Feel the Love Tonight, I'm kind of out. Ah, They lost me after this album. Yes. Yeah, they lost me after this. I was out after that. Yeah, Elton John is a long-time early favorite of mine. In the 70s, I had 11... Well, I still have quite a few Elton John records, but in my lifetime, I've had 11 Elton John albums. And um, all of the ones from, like, uh, 11, 1770, Tumbleweed Connection, up to Rock of the Westies and A Simple Man, and all the stuff in between, except I think I missed Blue Moves, but he's got a huge discography that I'm behind on, except for the the more mainstream radio stuff that you can't help uh, hearing. And I pretty much love all of his stuff, but I'm definitely for the early stuff, too. Yeah. And it was such a big deal to me in, in the garage, uh, actually the laundry room, Mom's Laundry Room, where the band played in my house. Yes, I was in one of those. Uh, had, you know, the rock star posters up, but I had two of Elton John, because he was a real hero of mine. Now, some people might not be into Elton John, because he doesn't really rock that hard. I mean, occasionally he'll whip out the guitars and then start stomping. But, but his the, voice rocks, even, yes. I mean, even on some of the mid-tempo yeah. songs, his voice is can be smooth but it can also be pretty rocky and he you know he just kind of goes there without the music having to go there as well yeah he can be raw and raspy and he's got and there are you know you don't have to be loud and fast to be uh to be hard to, to rock hard like even metallico people were saying oh, oh the black album isn't heavy of course it's heavy course just slow down slower is heavier than faster i got news for you i don't mean to old explain to you but that's uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> you kids uh, older is faster faster isn't necessarily you do old explain a lot i old explain a lot yeah, i know i just i just true. coined that term and, and you did everybody yeah. else uses it a little royalty would be nice you just throw it in his I'm patenting that. I'm minting that right here on there the show. There it is. But um, he's a great uh, balladeer. He's, a, he's he can sing anything, write anything. 
He's an absolute genius in my world, so uh, I'm all in for Elton John. Not that familiar with the latest stuff, honestly. He's somebody i got to catch up on. But, um, yeah, I love Elton John, um, and I still have quite a few of his records to this day. No uh, totally unqualified hell yes from me. Okay, so we talked about five artists that had submitted music but didn't make it on the show because we had themed shows and their particular songs were not on theme. Well, we are rectifying some of that right now. And the first band is Autumn's Descent. They've been on the show a couple of times. Great music. This song is called Brother. And it's a mid-tempo track with a dark goth metal sensibility. And the chorus is catchy, yet edgy. The synth gives it a slightly 80s feel that made me think of my beloved Depeche Mode and drew me in further to the song and their entire catalog. The whisper singing is chilling and sets us up for the rousing chorus. And there's a reason this band has now been played three times on Birds of a Feather. Listen to find out or to be reminded. This is Indianapolis's Autumn's Descent.
All right, that was modern electronic rock metal with industrial and gothic overtones known as Autumn's Descent, and you can find them on Facebook at Autumn's Descent. You know, it's so great on the show that we we talk about indie music, we play indie music, and we talk about great mainstream music, uh, mostly of some years gone by, but a little bit of current times, because a lot of the stuff out there is such unmitigated horseshit. I heard something today. I heard Beyonce today and Jay-Z. Uh, now, I had already heard their nightmarish drunk in love. You ever heard that thing? Yeah, I lo- uh, dangerously in love, yeah. No, there was drunk in love was one. And another one was crazy in love. They have one called dangerously in love? I think I was just thinking of it, her. I, li- I like some of her stuff. It was just as bad. I mean, when are they going to do one called annoying in love or overrated in love? Because I think both of them are. But not the artists we play here. We're picking only the best. And you're going to hear a caliber of stuff that you're just not going to hear on the radio for the most part. So, It is time for Trivial Trills. Mm. For this feature, I will name a musical artist or band and see what, if any, tasty trivia tidbits the professor can share about Cream. Oh, gee, I think I was tapped out with trivia already. Well, okay, let me see. Well, Cream, okay, Cream was a something of a supergroup uh, at the time because we had Eric Clapton of any number of 15 bands that he was in before that and the 100 he was in after that. Um, and Jack Bruce, um, who's Jack Bruce from? I don't know, but they were considered a supergroup. Ginger Baker, mm-hmm. uh, I almost said Atomic Rooster, but that was Carl Palmer. Yeah. Uh, Ginger Baker was a fantastic, uh, very, very unusual drummer, and together they did have, they had a sound that was, uh, I mean, they were absolutely unique at the time. And uh, people would rag on them for the pretentious name Cream, like we're the cream of the crop, we're the best there is. But hey, you know what? They were, and what the hell? Swagger, flaunted if you got it. And they were a a fantastic group. Trivia about them, let me see. Well, of course, I mentioned George Harrison played on the song Badge, and the title of the song Badge is actually a joke because the lyric sheet was written bridge and i think it was harrison who misread it and thought it said badge and that became the name of the song because that's the part he plays on uh other trivia about cream well gee i they didn't they only made what two albums i think uh uh, i'm i'll be very interested to learn about cream here because i'm hard pressed and of course you're gonna say stuff i'm gonna be like oh yeah i knew that i knew that but i just couldn't think of it um trivia about cream i really I'm kind of lost on that one. Um, All right. Well, I will riff off of what you just said about George Harrison. He did play on Badge, but he couldn't use his name due to a contract issue. Oh, yes. I'll tell you this part. I'll say he was billed as uh, um, some like uh, Anglo Mysterioso. What was it? Leangelo Mysterioso. Ah, Leangelo Mysterioso, yeah. Which he also used on a song for the Jack Bruce solo album, Songs for a Traitor. Ah, didn't know that. Didn't know that. So, um, Eric Clapton broke up the band after reading a bad review in Rolling Stone because he agreed that the band had become boring and repetitious. Oh, that's what the review said. Mm-hmm. It's probably written by some douchebag like Lester hey, Bangs. he agreed. You know? Yeah. He agreed and broke up the band, yeah. so uh, that's pretty significant. The last song they played at their farewell concert at the Royal Albert Hall in 1968 was Steppin' Out. Yeah. Yes and Taste were the two support acts for Cream's farewell shows in 1968. Wow. 
Ginger Baker. Yes, in 1968, because they didn't even put out their first album until 69. Very interesting. That's true. Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce were members of the Graham Bond organization and were notorious for their fights and quarreling, so much so that they took separate limos, they stayed at separate hotels, and only really got together to play shows. Wow. Jack Bruce wrote with the poet Pete Brown a lot. Oh, we talked about that. Yes. Yes. White Room and all that. Cream performed their first gig at the Twisted Wheel in Manchester on 7-29-1966. Wow. Cream's third album, Wheels of Fire, featured a live disc called Live at the Fillmore, but only Toad was recorded there. The other three recorded at the Winterland. Oh, I didn't know that. Cream considered asking Steve Winwood to join the band. Oh. But they decided against it, apparently... Ginger Baker built the studio in Nigeria that Paul McCartney used for the Band on the Run album. You know, I had that album, and I remember, well, besides the people on the cover, like James Coburn and Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, by the way, who once played a Bond villain. Anyway, I mentioned that only in passing. Um, but uh, the band on the, you mentioned the Band on the Run album. Uh, the judge says this is a fair game. You opened the door. Uh, I had that album. I believe it was called in, in, was it Lagos, Nigeria, or something like that? Yeah, great record. Anyway, oh yeah, about Cream also. One of their bigger hits, uh, Strange Brew, was, I believe, written by Felix Papillardi, Jack Bruce, and Papillardi's wife, Gail Collins, who did Mountain's artwork and wrote lyrics for some of their songs. And Jack Bruce also would, would later uh, wrote a Mountain song, theme from an imaginary western, and would later record it himself. There's a little bit of a crossover there because Felix Papillardi produced them, but I did not know a lot of that. Very interesting. They did get back together for a reunion at the Royal Albert Hall. I, I was flipping through PBS one night, and there are these old guys who look just like Cream, and they're playing Cream songs. And I'm like, son of a bitch, it's Jack Bruce, it's Ginger Baker, Eric Clapton. They got back together and did one hell of a reunion show. You can find it online, uh, 2005, I believe it was, and it's just sensational. They reunited three times. One was for Eric Clapton's wedding, and definitely the 2005. Wow. Yeah, so they reunited three times, although... The 2005 one was the last one. Yes, and uh, Jack Bruce is now uh, is gone now. Unfortunately, he's passed on. Yes, we only have Eric Clapton left. What? Ginger Baker's gone too? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know Ginger that. Ginger Baker died last year. Oh, wow. Sorry. So, yes, time for a song. More of that great indie music we talked about, and this one is really great. And since we're in full dinosaur mode here, I particularly love this one because T.G. Lee and the Rago Band and this fantastic song... Jagged Annie. Now, you got to understand, it's hard for me to say that because I'm always talking about Jaggedy Ann, Jaggedy Ann, Jaggedy Ann, right? But this is Jagged Annie. And I got to tell you, this song, and this song, apart from a 90s grungy kind of a break, it is completely untainted with even a hint of anything of the last 30 years. It is old school. It is old school. Not southern rock exactly, swampy, romp in the swamp kind of thing. Uh, It's like a belt of moonshine and a belt in the mouth at the same time. This song rocks hard. So get ready for some bruising. (laughs) Christina's over here laughing. We're never going to tell you the bruise joke. Don't even ask. Don't even write to us about it. Okay. With T.G. Lee and the Rago Band's 175 proof blowout called Jagged Annie. Rebel 
All right, Jagged Annie, woohoo! T.G. Lee and the Rago Band. That one really got me fired up tonight when yes. I've heard that one. It's like, oh, wow, she's had a good one yes. here. I'm glad that one finally made it on. T.G. Lee and the Rago Band on Facebook. She's giving me that look, so that means it's time for History Strikes Back. And as you know, this regular feature, we travel back in time to a particular year to review bands, music, charts, pop culture for... A year selected by the random number generator, which the self-proclaimed official random number generator. Uh, No more of this consecutive 70s stuff. Uh, We're going back to, this time, 1964. Now, this is not a year I have a whole lot of intimate recollection of, being as I was only three. But you're going to be surprised at what comes up, what's going on in the world, and among the things that happened that year, just to take you back in time. President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act in 1964 into law officially abolishing racial segregation in the United States. And... Later that certain that year, a gentleman we were talking about on Winging It named John Lennon announced that the Beatles would not play to a segregated audience. And there were certain entertainers who were very heroic in that struggle there. Um, and Cassius Clay, you know that guy. You, perhaps you know him by the goat name of Muhammad Ali. Beat Sonny Liston to uh, become the heavyweight champion of the world, I believe, for the first time. Uh, get you want it? What car was officially unveiled to the public in 1964? The Ford Mustang. I was say. Right. Yep. You knew. Uh, Shea Stadium opens in Flushing, New York. Shea Stadium, the home of the New York Mets, and uh, which would very soon after that be sold out by the Beatles. Uh, and a few years later on, would be sold out again by Grand Funk Railroad. They actually sold out Shea Stadium as well. And uh, we like to throw in a little science if it's not some headache-inducing wonky shit, some geek stuff. Uh, the Soviet Union launches its uh, Vashkod one, the first into Earth orbit as the first spacecraft with a multi-person crew and the first flight without space suits. Now, dig this. The crew wouldn't fit in the capsule if they had space suits. So they were in space without space suits. This is... Could have made the capsule bigger. Just me. Yeah, a little bit bigger or something. I mean, if you got to skimp on space that much, I mean... I just have questions. I'm thinking you need space suits in space. That's just Probably. me. Uh, Dr. Robert Moog, I believe, is the pronunciation. The Moog synthesizer. It's mm. Moog, not Moog, right? Uh, demonstrates his prototype synthesizers. Now, this this has been used in all rock music ever since then. Well, not all, but uh, the Moog synthesizer. Keith Emerson was uh, just waiting around for this moment, I'm sure. The Surgeon General reports that smoking, get this, you're never going to believe this, mm. maybe hazardous to your health. What? Yeah, That's I mean, you insane. can just knock me over with a feather. What? For the first time. Uh, first heart tra- <laughs> first heart transplant on a human using a chimpanzee heart. Mm. Carried out by a surgeon, James D. Hardy, but the organ is rejected after a few hours. Well, this is a surprise. This is uh, uh, he had tried. He had also done a transplant of a lung with a dead human's lung. Sure. Uh, and uh, this, the guy with who got the chimpanzee heart was in, in a coma, never recovered anyway. He lived okay. a few hours, so he, he didn't miss anything really. But uh, who was this doctor again? Was his name Frankenstein? You have mm-hmm. to wonder. All uh, these he bizarre experiments. Uh, what else? Um, blah. Here's some music trivia I didn't know. Sam Cooke, the great singer-songwriter Sam Cooke, was shot and killed at a motel in Los Angeles. I didn't know he was murdered. Totally blown. uh, I had no idea. 
Uh, che Guevara addresses the United Nations. A bazooka attack is launched at the headquarters of the United Nations in New York City. I don't remember the, the UN ever being attacked by a bazooka. That's that's news to me. So, Some strange stuff going on. Ah, ah, here's something that's still very contemporary. Even after 56 years, Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was published. It was released in the United States. It will be published in the UK later on. Now, this is still with us. This tale of a batshit crazy confectioner named Willy Wonka... First portrayed by Gene Wilder, who better, and later directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp, again, you know, who better. Now, I've never seen it. Feel free to mock me. I truly deserve it because I have not seen the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm a lame person, right? I mean, I'm I'm totally lame. I deserve that. Uh, Here's a little trivia. I'm not making this up. Roald Dahl would go on a few years later to write the screenplay for, wait for it, this is the truth. Roald Dahl, who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, also wrote the screenplay for... You Only Live Twice, a James Bond film, and Tim Burton would go on to direct two Batman movies. <laughs> you see, it's true, and everything comes back. All right, Only now, if forced. Only if forced. I mean, if you look for it, it's there. I mean, you, you got to have eyes to see. You know? <laughs> Highest grossing films, Mary freaking Poppins. Classic, classic, classic. Come on, Julie, Julie Andrews, uh, legend. Mm. My Fair Lady, Audrey, come on now. Uh, Goldfinger, a James Bond film, of course. Uh, From Russia with Love, another James Bond film. A Shot in the Dark. Now, you might not recognize the name. Do you know what A Shot in the Dark is? Shot in the Dark is the second of the Pink Panther series. Ah. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, the only one that doesn't have the word Pink Panther in the title, which is probably not the great idea. Probably you know, not a good idea. But no. uh, as uh, Inspector Cluzo, Pink Panther was also left over from 63, one of the top hits of that year, and... A Hard Day's Night by mm-hmm. the Beatles. We were in the midst of watching that uh, yes. little strange little film. But television, well, my favorite show of all time, debuted on NBC with Art Fleming as host. Yes, Jeopardy. And we just lost Alex Trebek mm-hmm. and a uh, terrible, terrible loss. And uh, the music scene, now what about that? Well, you've all heard of the Top of the Pops. Well, that's when it began broadcasting in the B- on the BBC, 1964. Top of the Pops. Wow. Who has not appeared on Top of the Pops? I haven't, not yet. Uh, well, no, that's true. Me neither. Yeah, oh, so fair enough. I take I'm just it saying. I just wanted to show uh, two people. It's, who it's high time. It's it high is. time. The Beatles vault to the number one spot. The UK, uh, the US singles charts for the first time with "I Want to Hold Your Hand" and oh, definitely yeah. not the last time. They are no one hit warblers. No. They uh, they're at like seven number ones that year. I oh, think. My you know. God, yes. Uh, the Beatles arrived from the UK, uh, New York City's JFK, receiving a tumultuous reception from a throng of screaming fans, marking their first occurrence of Beatlemania in the United States, also appearing on The Ed Sullivan Show and becoming the catalyst for the 1960s British invasion of American popular music, which was great for groups like the Kinks we were talking about and the Rolling Stones. And anybody from Britain, we love you. Come on over. Come on over. And the Stones, honestly, didn't have anything to offer. Their first record has got one original on it, and it's a bunch of covers, but, mm. you know, it's still good stuff. But um, uh, Fiddler on the Roof opened on Broadway. Wow. That was wow. My, I've seen Fiddler on the Roof uh, several times. Sonny and Cher began performing together as, you know what their names were? Sonny and Cher? Caesar and Cleo. That sucks ass. Yeah. Sonny and Cher is better. Glad they changed that. Uh, right? Now, <laughs> Good what's, counsel on that one. I'm telling you. Now, it's a standard practice with rock artists of the 70s and 80s and beyond to cover classic Roots, rock and roll from the 50s and 60s. But the number of songs from 1964's Hot 100 that were covered by rock acts later on is so remarkable 
that I'm going to remark on it because I think when something is remarkable, that's only the only proper response. A band very near and dear to both of us, Van Halen, covered not one, not two, but three of 1964's Hot 100. Perhaps not their best one, but Martha and the Vandellas. They'll be swinging, playing, and records playing, dancing in the street. I think our version right here is probably better than Van probably Halen's. Yeah. <laughs> However, they had much. <laughs> sorry, guys, you know, but they had much. It's a very interesting take. Very interesting. It's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, but it's a they, polite way of saying it. Kind of sucked ass. They totally nailed the other two covers from 1964. Roy Orbison, pretty woman. Walking down the street, pretty woman. Both of those guys make videos. I'm telling you, we were talking about the videos before. I mean, Panama, come on, that's genius shit. Uh, they knew how to be awesome, kick-ass, and campy as can be, and, and somehow make it work. I like camp. Yeah, I like camp. I'm a camp corn. I'm a camp corn and cheese uh, fanatic. <laughs> the third one, as you might, speaking of Kinks, British Invasion, Van Halen's big breakout hit from the first album, The Kinks, You Really Got Me. You really got me, girl. You really got me, girl. Come on, they friggin' nailed that one. I can't hear the song. Even when Roy Orbison does it, I hear Eddie doing those totally licks that were not originally in the song. I mean, he just, it's brilliant. Oh, other ones. Um, uh, well, I Want to Hold Your Hand was the number one song of the year, not surprisingly. Beach Boys. Round, round, get around. I get around. Yeah. Oh, my God, you're doing all parts. That was amazing. Trying, I'll just sit here. That was amazing. Round, round, I'll just be over here quiet. I mean, I'm in a Beach Boys. It's California. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm just go Cal- for it. Just Cal- falls we do that out. Here. Just it's, do it. You can do that if you're here in California. <laughs> but, um, but watch. This is, again, this is... I was only three. Watch how many of these songs Punk in Here knows. It's going to amaze you. Uh, uh, Supremes. Baby, baby, where did our love go? Of course, it's been covered again by like Soft Cell, wasn't it? No, not Soft Cell. Uh, um, um, One of those 80s groups. From your era. Uh, no, I was around love. too. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Soft Cell. I think it might have been Soft Yeah, it was Soft Cell besides the original Tainted Love. There you go. Soft Cell. Where Did I Love Go? It was, a fa- it was part of the same single, in fact. Yeah, in the middle. Yep. Very nice. Great stuff. Great song. Uh, oh, no. There's no shaking eggs to Barbara Streisand's people, but just know that it was out there, okay? Oh, wow. Uh, Manfred Mann. There she was, just a walking down the street, singing do a diddy diddy dum diddy do. And he joins her, too, doing the same thing. That must have been. It seems amazing. Uh, it yeah. must have been wonderful to see. Sounds But wonderful. you see, she knows this one. She knows that one. And. Uh, uh, I bet uh, you wouldn't know this one. Dave Clark Five. I'm feeling glad all over. Ah, I knew you we were going to stump you with that one. Okay. No uh, idea. <clears throat> uh oh. Four seasons. Don't go away. I'm no good for you. You're kidding. I don't wow. Know that one. Wow. I didn't know Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, wow, but nice. I don't know that song. All right, Jan and Dean, who sound exactly like the Beach Boys. Dead Man's Curve. Jay and the Americans. I, I don't know if you know this one. Come a little bit closer, you're my kind of man. So big and so strong. Uh, you've, you've heard it at least. Peter and Gordon. I don't care what they say, I won't stay in a world without love. Great song that you don't know. Okay. 
Uh oh. Leslie Gore, you don't own me. Whatever the next I'm line not is. just one of your little toys. Yeah. You don't, don't own me. me. You know it better than I do. Don't say I can't go with other boys. Don't. Oh, oh there's a break. You know it so well. Don't tell, tell me what to do. do. Don't yeah. tell me what to say. I love that song. Love that song. Now, Leslie Gore, believe it or not, was on Batman. I swear I'm not making this up. It's the tie. I, I promised you. I promised you. She played a pop singer uh, named Pussycat. So you can imagine which uh, super criminal she was uh, the protege really of. A lot of pussy stuff going on in James Bond. Yeah, and, and yeah. We had Pussycat. We had Pussy Galore. I'm just kind of out. It, it was like the WAP was already yeah, being... Yeah, it's already uh, in place. So why are we place. so upset that it showed up? I mean, we've been bleeding into it for years. We have, indeed. And uh, Catwoman, uh, according to the story, found her singing pop in the Milkshake-A-Go-Go and uh, lured her into a life of crime. Uh, that, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Aye, aye. Talk about classics that everybody knows and knows how to play and has sang a hundred times. The animals. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Everybody does that one. Who hasn't covered that song? I haven't. Okay. This one was covered by Cher. If you want to know if he loves you so, it's in his kiss. That's where it is. See, you know that one. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, there's a song by somebody called Major Lance. It's called Um, 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 Um. I mean, hmm. It sounds like one of my dance outtakes, one of my interview outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chad and Jeremy had a hit called A Summer Song, and I don't know the song, but I do know that they were on Batman as themselves. So it's, it's true. I'm making this up. Uh, Remember Walking in the Sand. Uh, the Shangri-La is covered by Aerosmith. Uh-oh. Four Tops, Smokey. Baby, I need your loving. Got to have all your loving. Uh-oh. The Shangri-Las. That's when I fell for leader of the pack. <laughs> My folks were always putting him down. Ready? Down, down. <laughs> Sounds very Rocky War there. <laughs> I love that. Ah, uh, the trash man. Well, everybody's heard about the bird. Bird, bird, bird. I swear I'm not making... I know, it sounds like our song, right? Yeah, I was like, what the hell? The song is called Surfing Bird. It was covered by the Ramones later on. Here's one that's been recorded by Everybody Under the Sun. The orig- uh, Maybe this was the original. The Kingsman is also covered later by the Beatles. The best things in life are free. <laughs> but, but you, you can, can give them to the birds and bees. I want my gets. What I want. I believe that was written by Barry Gordy. It was a Motown thing originally. Beautiful. Um, Somebody, I never heard, I don't know the song, but somebody named Jumpin' Gene Simmons. Who would have ever guessed? Spelled like Gene Simmons of Kiss. I always thought it was named after the actress. But oh, And and a song everybody has done, everybody knows how to play, because it's only got three chords, and it was covered by the Stooges. A little, a Oh, maybe she's rolling around. And of course, it uh, held a very prominent place of honor in Mr. Holland's.
Hans Opus. Let's not forget. So 1960, 1964 was a very interesting uh, year. A lot of good music. A lot of good music that has endured uh, the test test of time and been covered many times. A lot of Batman and James Bond uh, ties. So it was a a real uh, extravaganza, I think. I think so, too. Very, very cool. Although, I will say, even though I could tell that there was just moments of disappointment because I didn't know... I want to say I wasn't even born, and I still know quite a few. I'm right? Impressed with my yeah, I mean those songs have survived and somehow managed to reach through the morass of the musical scene that she grew up in and reached her anyway. And I'm very happy about that. True, good stuff. I mean, I cannot deny how good it is. Oh my God, is it time for another artist? I don't think so. It is. It is. It is. Okay, if you say so. Oh, and that would be. Uh, a band that we have played so many times on Butterflies and Hurricanes, Black Mamba. And uh, I discovered Black Mamba a couple years ago, right after they released their debut album, Heritage. How? By a cover of a Deep Purple song that the, uh, you always, you, sometimes you see a drum cover or whatever. This is a full band cover. The three members of Black Mamba did uh, Deep Purple's Highway Star with the amazing Cecilia Napo on bass, substituting John Lord's keyboard solo on the friggin' bass. Uh, it was just a knockout uh, knockout uh, performance by Black Mamba. And then I found out they had, had originals. It was like, oh, I'm in. And two albums later, I'm still totally sold out on this awesome band that we've played so many times. And the rhythm section of Black Mamba, Cecilia Napo on bass, and Federico Maragoni on drums also form the rhythm section of a progressive rock theatrical ensemble called uh, Goblin. So they're just a... Claudio Simonetti's goblin going back to the 70s from all the Dario Argento uh, horror films Argento. Uh, for all, Argento yep we're talking Deep Red we're talking Suspiria we're talking all that that's Goblin and they've re-recorded uh, some of that stuff and put out a couple of great new albums um uh, put out a great new album and re-recorded a lot of the old stuff with uh, this particular on uh, lineup brilliant stuff but this is Black Mamba and I told you before, we're talking about Neil Peart as a lyricist and drummer who did not sing. Well, this is the other one. Federico Maragoni, or Fred, to people who know him, uh, is the lyricist and drummer of Black Mamba, but he doesn't sing. And uh, this particular one, there's no singing anyway. It's an instrumental from the long-awaited and immensely satisfying Black Mamba 2. And how fitting for us on this show, this one is called Duck Surprise.
right, superb hard rock from Italy. Didn't mention they're from Italy, did I? That's because I'm an incompetent radio host. Anyway, Black Mamba, and you can find them on social media at blackmambaofficial.com. Black Mamba Official, because remember, Black Mamba was also Kobe Bryant's nickname. Yes, and whenever you wear that shirt. Whenever I wear that shirt, yeah, man, Kobe. It's like, yeah, yeah, Kobe was great, but this is an Italian rock band, you know? And so I get to plug Black Mamba that way. And seriously, he seriously corrects them, and they just look at him like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, it seemed pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, but you correct them, and anyway, they don't understand. Find That's out funny. why it is I've been totally hooked on this band and riding them wherever they've gone. Uh, oh, by the way, they played at a great big uh, festival in Sweden, uh, Sweden Rock Fest, the biggest uh, rock show in Europe. And guess who else was on the bill? Why, it would be Kiss, of course. Uh, <laughs> and they cover Kiss on their second album, so... There's the kiss tie-in for tonight. So they're all, we're going to get them all, I guarantee you. Well, we already did get them all. All right. Uh, so, um, Various Songbirds, everybody's favorite game show, as promised. Uh, this one is a blast. For this feature, we name lines from songs to see if we can stump each other. It's got to be songs they have a reasonable expectation of knowing. Will I start some kind of uh, Radio Hatfields and McCoys feud here? No. I'm about reconciliation. Uh, seven gift-wrapped tunes wow. with lovely decorative bow that will require the gentlest mental tug to unfold. And uh, let us begin with the first... Of many uh, Bond themes. Uh, believe it or not, there are no Bond themes in this oh, one. Oh, okay. okay. Wow. All right. I'll ruin everything you are. I'll give you television. I'll give you eyes of blue. I'll give you a man who wants to rule the world. It's David Bowie. Give you eyes of blue. Rule the world. Shit. I know it's Bowie. Why can't I get to the chorus? Is it Let's Dance? No. Can't be Let's Dance. Damn it. Oh. It's Bowie. The anguish is real. You can at least tell me it's Bowie. It, oh, it's Bowie, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's Bowie. Because you, you can hear him doing it. Yeah, I can hear him. So singing it wouldn't help. Of course, that would be an admission no, of if, defeat. China Girl. Ah! Fuck. I was Fuck. like... The one who goes... Shh. <laughs> 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 we had a lot of fun with that one before. You uh, know what? All of a sudden, I heard... Ding, 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 ding. Oh, and my, oh, <laughs> then oh, I was like, oh, it's China Girl. Fuck. I'll give you television. I'll give you eyes of blue. I'll give you a man who wants to rule the world. Did I tell you the gentlest tug from your mind... The bow, the pretty bow comes undone. Let's see. Let's give this next pretty bow a gentle tug. All right. With this line. It's a big enough umbrella, but it's always me that ends up getting wet. I got nothing. Really? You're gonna scream. Have a little thing she does is oh, magic. Fuck me. It's oh. a big enough umbrella, but it's always me that ends up getting, getting wet. wet. Oh, I actually stumped you on the one that I Yeah, okay. That I actually told gave you, you before. I told wow, you. okay. Okay, well, I, I really thought these would be good. Okay, so it's always fun, this game, though. It's so fun. All right. Uh, sometimes you have to jump in in the middle of a verse, though, to keep from giving it all away completely. I, I, I don't do that. I give you full lines. Well, this is several lines, actually. Mm. Fed on nothing, but full of pride. Look at them go. Look at them kick. Makes you wonder how the other half live. Devil inside. Ah, yes. Devil inside. Every single one of us is the, the devil inside. inside. In excess, sucks. devil inside. See? See what I told you? Just as promised. Hmm. All right. How about this one? So now you'd better stop and rebuild all your ruins. For peace and trust can win the day, despite of all your losing. Fuck. 
There ain't no question you need to get this one if I sing it. I know I know this. this. That's for sure. Fuck. Everybody knows this one. Carefully selected lines. Mm. Yeah, like Kiss I Want You. Yeah. Carefully selected lines. <laughs> Fuck. Hint. Give me a hint then. You're a hint guy. I'm, um. I don't... Well, without singing it. Yeah. Can I sing it? No. No, okay, not saying because that, would, that would give it away. Yeah. Well, hints admit defeat too. No, that's okay. not true. That's not All right, your, let how me you see. play the game. Um, hmm, let me see. I can admit defeat if you'd rather. What's a good hint, though, without, without giving away the artist or giving away... Um, can you give me one word of the title, or is the title just one word? No, no, uh, no the, the title is two words, and one of them is song. Your song. No, it's not your song. Yeah, there's nothing about ruins in your song. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell everybody from your <laughs> ruins. <laughs> Fuck you. you. Just twice. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, there isn't, right? And losing no. and, <clears throat> and ruins. <laughs> that would kind of fuck with the whole song, wouldn't yeah. it? It'd be funny uh, to try to work those into your song, you know. Hand that over to Weird Al yeah. and let him do that. I sat on the roof in my ruins. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. The word song is in it. Song, yeah. Two-word title, one of them is song. It's not Love Song by the Karen. No, I don't know. Wow. Okay, I'll sing it. Then you'll know. So now you better stop. And rebuild all your ruins so peace and trust can win the day despite of all your losing. Ah. I know the song, but I don't know the ah, okay. Sorry, so. I thought you might. No, okay. that was actually, that was very fair. Okay, this one is the ultimate fair. Cracker Jack box uh, you said that song. Last She's time. rolling her eyes like, yeah, right. My yeah. ass. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I've been walking Central Park. Do I really have to say more? Yeah, maybe. Singing after dark. People think I'm crazy. Oh. Sorry, I really I thought this was I a know gimme. This song. I really thought this was a gimme. Oh, the people think I'm crazy is what makes me know that I know this song. See, the problem is you know the so- you know all these songs, but I've known them for so much longer that it's uh, easier for me to recall them. You know the song, everybody knows this song. I just may not know the lyrics. Well, if it helps, and it's going to help a lot. This is the spoken word part. God, I know. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I did. I thought it was going to be walk in the park here. Literally. Just like the, yeah, just like him. God, I know that I know this. I thought we'd I be singing. I thought we'd Billy be singing Joel after for dark. Some reason, you know? but it's not. It's a walk in Central Park. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, it's kind of spoken word, kind of sung, kind of spoken. If I do it, I'll, I'll get two words in. You'd be like, oh fuck, it's that. All right, do it. I've been walking Central Park, singing after dark. People think I'm crazy. Stumbling on my feet, shuffling through the street, asking people, what's the matter with you, boy? Never have got that. Really? You know it. I know it, I just don't know the lyrics. Ah, okay, because that's, that's the part that stands out because it's yeah. spoken and there's very little else going on. I knew the song. Sorry. I just, oh, no, I knew that last, especially the people think I'm crazy. I was like, ooh, ooh, People ooh, think ooh, I'm ooh. crazy. Yeah, I heard it, but I was like, I can't place it. No, yeah. don't be sorry. No, these are, these are, I just don't know the lyrics All intimately. Right. 
Well, we're going a little bit more to your era with mm. this one. Even while we sleep, we will find you acting on your best behavior. Ah, she's smiling. Uh, I'm going to say tears for fears. Mm hmm. Correct. I can give you that much. I'm going to have to go with that, I think. Even while we sleep, oh, we, we will find you acting you. on your best behavior. Turn world. your back on other nature. Everybody wants to rule the world. I am so sorry. Then I hold out little hope for this next one. I'm terribly sorry about wow. this. I, well, I mean, How rude. I'm, well, I'm I'm Fuck I'm me. setting you up to not be disappointed. I'm I'm lowering the bar so you don't feel so let down because I mean that was more your era, I think. Yes. Well, um, I mean, at least I got tears for fears. Yeah, you got tears for fears. Yeah. I mean, you know. All right, last one. A couple of little bits of trivia about the last one that are oh. semi-interesting. We'll kill the fatted calf tonight, so stick around. I know. It's just she's looking at like, where the fucking pop music is? A song about a fatted calf. <laughs> where the fucking pop music? I mean, oh, I don't... high on the charts. That's where everybody wow. in the world knows the song. It's just a question of uh, this lyric. We'll kill the fatted calf tonight, so stick around. You're going to hear electric music, solid walls of sound. I'm so sorry. I really, I was, I was trying to make it easy, honestly. I thought it would be just fun, fun, fun. It is fun. Good. I just don't know. Fun misery, okay. Yes, <laughs> yes that's what it is. I'm like, fuck. Um, one more time. We'll kill the fatted calf tonight, so stick around. You're going to hear electric oh, music, nice. solid so walls of around. sound. Uh-huh. Keep singing. You're going to hear electric music. Stick around. It's Elton John. Uh-huh. Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets. Yes. Fuck. Yes. Say Candy and Ronnie. Have you seen them yet? Uh, interesting oh, trivia about Benny that song. And the Jets. Good. Good. I'm so glad you got that one. Just I just had to hear the, the stick around. Yeah. Tonight, so stick around. around yeah. You're going to hear electric music. Yeah. Oh, sound. The music video for Robert Palmer's song Addicted to Love was mentioned by Bernie Taupin, of course, who wrote the lyric for Bernie and the, Benny and the Jets, mm -hmm. when he said that the video, with all the identical models, had been close to his vision of how Benny and the Jets could have looked. Mm. A futuristic rock and roll band of androids fronted by some androgynous beauty. So picture oh. Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love video. That's Bernie Taupin's idea of Benny and the Jets. The stuttering of the word Benny... You know, b -b 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 Benny, Benny and, and the, the Jets, Jets was Elton John's idea to add a futuristic and robotic theme to the lyrics, which I never oh, took wow. it to be robotic or anything, but it's, I just thought it was a cool way to do the song. I don't love that. Really? That's the part I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm in now because it's, you know, it is what it is. But I was like, I wish it didn't do that. Oh. But one of the things that, that you'll notice about me that it will emerge as a theme is that I don't like a lot of non-word sounds in songs. Like, ooga, I don't like, ooga, yeah, ooga. I just, I just heard that. Uh, I don't like that kind of shit. I'm like, no, stop that. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm also not a do-do-do-do. I'm not into that either. Really? It's wow. very catchy, but I'm like, just, can you just come up with a line? Just, can oh, you just. So, filler like, ha! I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, okay. That's one thing. <laughs> I'm okay with that, but it's just like the, like the, you know, nah, 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 nah. I'm like, okay. 
Come on, <laughs> let's just let's just go. Um, so, and I, one of the things I really hate is I hate whistling in songs. Do oh, not whistle in a song oh. about. I, I hate whistling shut it down. in general. I, oh. I really hate whistling in general. When people whistle in the street, it just grind my teeth grind. Really? It's a misophonia yeah. thing? Yes, I hate whistling. It's the most annoying sound in the world. Uh, Elton John thought this song would fail if it were released as a single. What? Because it was too simple. And it is simple. In fact, I heard it playing the other day at a distance in, in a warehouse. And it was like, boom. And you hear the audience... But the bum, melody isn't bum, simple. Bum, 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 bum. It's so it's so engaging. It's so uh, hypnotic. But the melody is and the melody simple. isn't simple. And he does a beautiful little piano solo in the middle too. Oh gosh, yeah, it's wonderful. So, but mm. then uh, after heavy airplay in Canada and the USA, the song became a number one hit in 1974, certified platinum in the USA. So I guess Elton kind of kind of his instincts were a little off on that one. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit you know. A little bit. Okay, number one hit song. Got it. Okay, maybe I was maybe I was wrong here. I was not trying mm-hmm. to get you. I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to torpedo you. I was You're trying, trying to, to exact revenge. I sir, I was trying the to give you the you gift. The you said you weren't. The gift of revenge? Uh, the gift. <laughs> the gift. I wanted you to come away a victor with a laurel wreath on your head. And thou shalt, uh, you know, killeth the fattest calf. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Keep your eyes on the road, your hands upon the wheel. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, it doesn't sound the same. I would have got same. that one. Yeah, you would have got that one. Never, I would never let off with that one. No, yeah. you wouldn't. <laughs> All right, so various songbirds. Another one is uh, Another history, one as dust. we see, has bitten the dust. <laughs> and the dust. It's, it's a fun game, and I'll it writhe is. next time, and I'll foam at the mouth next time, and I'll get probably two out of six next time or seven myself, so... It's actually raining on both studios right mm-hmm. now. And I know just like years from now, people are going to look back and say, you ate in a restaurant. That's a big deal to these people. It's raining, so that's a big deal to these people. you got to understand, it's been months. It, it goes months without raining and here. And we just love the rain. And we just love the rain. Oh. Here comes the rain again. Uh, we love it here. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of a distraction there. But I know you won't be able to pick it up on the mics. So if you do, then dig the ambiance. Dig on. the ambiance. I mean, you go to, I, I swear, there was a drought here for like eight years. I was going and playing YouTube rain videos. Just to go to sleep I, because I, I couldn't too. live without the rain, you know. Absolutely, it's going mad without the rain. All right, so the next song is a band from Melbourne, Australia, from Down Under, and uh, I've known on and off the singer, uh, co-writer of this band, Karina Jane, for quite a few years. She's uh, one hell of a rock blues vocalist. Uh, she's had some success with writing. She's a very eclectic writer and singer. She's had some success with some dance tracks and everything. But, I mean, it, she's a she's a bluesy, yelping, hard rocker at heart. And uh, she's got a band together that I only found out about uh, a little while ago, a couple months ago, called Liminal. And this band, Liminal, has a new EP, a full EP out called Megafauna. That's great. That means basically big animals, you know. Uh, because it has been described as harking back to an age when rock was the apex predator. Megafauna is big. You're damn right. I would describe today's music, even the rock, as microflora. <laughs> weak, weak little pansy flowers oh, no. withering and fainting, you know. Oh, and no. But rock used to have guts and balls and teeth, and that's what this has. However, you're not going to hear an awful lot of that on this particular track, although just hints, hints of the hard rock edge of liminal. Because this one is intended to be rather haunting, as is befitting a song called A Ghost Story. Here's Liminal.
had a ghost story by Liminal from the EP Megafauna. And uh, I'll tell you, this is one of those ones that it's got, I mean, the band's got a great name, the album's got a great name, and you see this cover, this scary-ass octopus picture, you are going to want to buy this thing. So check out Liminal on Spotify and all the various music outlets and on Facebook at Liminal Music. All right, you need more beverages? Yeah, have, have some more beverages there, uh, Cupcake. <clears throat> I tell you, you really go through some beverages doing this radio shit, I'm telling you. You do. You, know, you do, man. You, you get, get fucking it's, thirsty. It's, I wouldn't go as far as to call it work. Yes, I would. It's work. Yeah, it's work. Yeah. I mean, let's see. This particular show has been 16 hours of prep, so yeah, it's right. work. What? That's 15 hours and 45 minutes on her part and 15 minutes of my part. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the usual spread. I wasn't even counting yours yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, don't bother. <laughs> oh there, there's really nothing to count. I, I told you. The, the shaft intro, that, that was, I shot my wad on that one. That was know? nice. <laughs> that was a good shot. Okay, well, at least I tried. I mean, know. if you were going to shoot. Yeah, if you're going to shoot, I mean, you know. You uh, blow your let load. Let that be your one, yeah. your one volley, you know. <laughs> Alright, well now we're up to the pecking order And for this feature we pit similar bands or artists against one another To determine the pecking order And we've got a couple of goodies here this time And I know these are acts I'm familiar with The pecking order isn't always that uh, perfect that he's tailored to me But this one I gotta say is I'm interested to see what uh, uh, Snookums here has to say Alright, it's ABBA versus the Bee Gees Now, I... Unabashedly love both of these groups. I have had uh, I I love ABBA. I know all the radios. I had two of their albums, Voulez-vous and Super Trooper, and they are superb. They really are. The Bee Gees, however, the Brothers Gibb, Barry, Robin, and Morris. I've heard just about everything they've ever made. My uh, next in line sibling, like I said, took the baby boom seriously. Had every Bee Gees album ever recorded uh, up until you know the mid seventies. Uh, so. All the great 60s stuff. And when they went pop, more... I mean, they were always kind of a pop group. But when they went really accessible, you know, club-friendly, radio-friendly, much more engaging pop hits with the album Main Chorus, I believe it was 1975, with hits like Jive Talking and Nights on Broadway, they proved they could do... That's the ABBA thing right there. I mean, so they could go all over the place. They did much more rock-edge stuff, a lot of beautiful folk stuff. And between these two groups, and I love them both very much... ABBA, you get the benefit of some female harmonies and female vocals and things like that, and the Brothers Gibb are all brothers, of course, men, but they are among the best harmonists I've ever heard in my life, and the material, the songwriting is absolutely stellar, and so much broader in range, and so much more, I don't know, it packs so much more of a punch, and leaves you feeling bruised, I did not just say that, uh, sometimes, I mean, New York mining disaster, oh. uh, I've got to get a message to you, oh. I mean, this is this is like the original Death Row classic right here, Seriously. and uh, a beautiful, lonely day, I mean, like I said, there's so much stuff in their deep tracks that I, that I know from my sister that, uh, uh, even based on the general, just a handful of records, the general stuff and everything, I would still have to give them... A decisive edge over ABBA because the material is so much stronger. I'm a, I'm just a lover of the Bee Gees and, and ABBA, but I got to give it to the brothers on this one. What do you think? Well, I thought about it a lot. Went back and listened to quite a bit. Now I had a decision right up up mm-hmm. front. I went, oh, this is the clear winner, and I thought, well, take a step back. Ah, yeah. Listen again. And it warrants that. ABBA is much greater than people realize. Oh, for sure. I'm a huge ABBA fan from way back. (sighs) 
and I love female vocalists, and I love the female prowess. I love the whole thing. I love the married couple thing. It's cute. I love the way the girls play off each other. I love the whole outfits. I love all of it. I love that there's positivity in it. I like that there's also some, you know, heartbreaking things, you know. The winner takes it all. Oh, God. But when I think about the Bee Gees, and I think about that body of work and, and the impact it had on me, my brother, on, you know, the world, if you will, I just, you know, they definitely are the winners for me. The winner takes it all, and the winner in this particular uh, battle is the Bee Gees all the way. That's some cold shit using Abba's own lyric against them, but (laughs) (laughs) ouch. No, but I I, I totally see where you're coming from. Abba deserves massive respect. For sure. Do not go, oh yeah, Dancing Queen, that's cute. No, no, no. No. You've got to listen to their stuff. They're a much more serious group than you think. They are. But I would also give the edge to the bros on this one. So There's a lot of complexity in Abba's music that people don't understand. And and just because it's... uh, it's pop doesn't mean it's not smart and no, it really no. is and they are real musicians and it's some really great songwriting and it's fun music i'm telling you right now anytime i put that on i can't be sad it's abba oh, there's some deep cuts like lovers live a little longer and oh. there's just some fantastic stuff you got i mean there's great stuff you got to hear out there voulez-vous uh, super trooper two uh, stellar albums not familiar with the other ones but that's oh. enough to, pr- to prove to me that abba is uh, a force to be reckoned with but they certainly uh, are, the but brothers the brothers are immortal sorry come on. Yep, the got brothers good all right nice all right <clears throat> nice what okay uh. So that leads us to our last song, this particular show. And remember, this is the artist that did not make it, the songs that did not make it due to themes. So we have covered four, and this is the fifth and last one for this particular show. And the band is, or the artist in this case, is David Patacani. And the song name is Indestructible. Now, David has appeared twice on our show already because his industrial cinematic electronic rock trance is just amazing. And he hails from Tucson, Arizona, which is interesting. I'm an Arizona girl myself. Nice. I try not to bring it up a lot because I'm not really a fan of Arizona. But hey, I mean, I was there a long, long time. So this song, though, indestructible, and really all of David's songs, amazing. They, there's burbling analog synthesizer, dark and brooding rhythms. Some of the vocals are reminiscent of White Zombie, but with a growl that rattles the listener. There are also nine-inch nail nods throughout that warm my little black heart. It's both danceable and something you could mosh to as well. It offers a little something for the rock, electronic, metal, and industrial listener. Take in Indestructible.
All right, that was David Patacone, or Patacone, with Indestructible. And you can find him on Facebook at David, P-A-T-A-C-O-N-I, music. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that was so great when he said, speaking of getting the fuck out of here. No. What? stuff to do one-hit warblers. Oh, duh. All right, one-hit warblers. And for this feature, we discuss a one-hit wonder that rocked either our world or the music world or both. And in this case, we are talking about Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. So, certainly the Andrew Lug Oldham orchestral cover of the Rolling Stones' song, The Last Time, is my main draw. It's a song about another facet of the human condition, working to make ends meet, you're a slave to the money, then you die. The desire to break out of your mold... But the difficulty in doing so is something that speaks to me. It is equal parts heartbreaking, introspective, and hopeful. And this song so profoundly affects me that I listen to it when I'm sad. I listen to it when I'm happy. I listen to it when I want to write music. I listen to it uh, when I'm mad because it calms me down. It's just one of those songs. There is something about all of the parts together that just speaks to every part of me and it's just it doesn't happen with a lot of songs but for some reason this song is one that does it for me now there's a lot of interesting stuff around this namely that the rolling stones hold the right or held the rights to this song till 2019 when they gave it back to the verve so the verve have not had control of this because of obviously the it was a cover of a Rolling Stones song done by a composer. So that has a lot of implications. But um, you know now I can say it. There's a lot of peace that the uh, lead singer can enjoy because now he can hear the song and feel like, hey, this is my song. And something that's interesting I think about about the verve and their conviction. So they. They definitely were dead set against the use of this song commercially. I mean, the song is a very personal song. If you read about why he wrote it, it's it's you know it's it's all the things that he intended. So they didn't have control of the publishing rights, as I just mentioned to the song. Nike used it in a 1998 ad, and the band was paid 175 thousand dollars, which they donated to the Red Cross Landmine Appeal, because they didn't want it to be used commercially Mm. so they donated the money they're like okay thanks we didn't want the money here you go and they donated it however the interesting part is without that nike ad the song isn't likely to have made the impact it did in the u.s because not a lot of people heard it the second part uh that really really propelled it is its use at a very critical point in a movie called cruel intentions now cruel intentions is a movie i love is it a great movie Probably not. <laughs> is it a weird-ass movie? Yes. Is it very, very fucked up and strange? Yes, I like that shit. But I will tell you, there is no other song that could have been played over this particular part in this movie that would have done it justice. And they knew that so much so that they paid a million dollars to use the song. And to they tried. the Rolling Stones? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. They tried to use to do this this scene without the song and it just didn't work so that they went way over budget paid a million dollars to use this song and it absolutely makes this scene but i mean you have to watch the whole movie the whole movie again very strange and fucked up but it works so this song has you know so many 
applications, if you will, to me and it moves me so profoundly that when I thought about what I wanted to do for a one-hit warbler this week, it came to mind and thought, I can't believe I haven't done this already. But if you haven't heard the song, first of all, where the fuck have you been? Secondly, listen to this song. It is really beautiful. And the, the vocal delivery, there's something heartbreaking about it. There's something moving about it. There's something kind of empowering about it. First, he says, I can't change. And he says, I can change. So it's just, it's again, it's one of those songs that I wish I had written. I wish I had written all of it from the composition uh, all the way through to the lyrics, to the delivery, everything. And uh, it's just a gem. David, what are your thoughts on this one-hit warbler? Well, when I saw the name, I said, The Verm, Bittersweet Symphony, okay, I got nothing. And uh, then I look at Spotify, and it's like, oh, it's got 500 million streams. So even I must have heard it if it's been out there that long, if it's gotten that much play. And as soon as this started, oh, yeah, I know the song. Heard it a million times. That haunting classical, uh, it sounds like something from the adagio of a Beethoven symphony. I mean, it's it's that kind of haunting, like uh, like the Symphony Number no. 7 one. It's, it's like that. And the fact that it keeps repeating and repeating that those lines actually seems to make it uh, appear to soar, to take flight from because it's it, it just keeps building up, even though it isn't really changing. The, the vocals are changing, the whole arrangement is changing, but those those riffs, which are based on the Rolling Stones song, which interestingly was the first song that Jagger and Richards ever wrote themselves, that was a, uh, a hit in the UK. And it's actually been, uh, you know who has a version of that song? Our own Louis Drayton, the last time, has a variant of that, which he wrote raps to. It's quite stirring. But I knew this one as soon as I heard it. I thought, oh, how many times have I heard this and wondered, what am I hearing? What am I hearing? And it never happened to be on when I had Shazam around to find out. And now I know. Very powerful, very stirring song that I've known and didn't know that I knew until just now. And uh, it is, uh, I mean, it has that hit. I mean, it has that, that, I can see it so easily in a movie scene. I've never seen the film you're talking about, but I can see it so easily in a movie scene and uh, being indispensable to it because it has, it creates a vibe entirely of its own. And I've wondered for the longest time what it was, I swear, until tonight. Oh, that, that's what it is. So kind of glad it came up. It's a, it's a hell of a piece. Absolutely. So one-hit warblers are uh, certainly something to consider and something to uh, listen to. And this is certainly no exception. And, of course, one from the Christina Vaults, one of my favorites. Okay, parting is such sweet sorrow. Yes, we are at the part of the show that brings a tear to my eye. But this is also the part of the show where we give you homework because we want your opinions. We want to know what you think. We want to know if you agree with our thoughts on Bob Dylan. Now, you may or may not, depending on how uh, avid a listener you are, you yeah, may, or exactly. may not know how we feel about this particular artist, but we are not going to reveal anything right now. So if you don't if you happen to know, miss that episode or yes. any number of times he's come up, right. but. <laughs> then we will not we will not reveal it, but we will later. Please let us know what you think. We posted on, I posted on my personal page, number one, and I also posted on Birds of a Feather, which is both on air. In fa- on Facebook and then also on Fusion Music Radio and on both on air Instagram. So you can tell us any of those four places, hell yes or oh hell no on Bob Dylan. 
And Instagram is really the, the best place to see the uh, stunning little uh, video promos that Christina makes. The story, quote, stories. You don't want to miss those. So follow us on Instagram, if you would, please. Please. And, uh, well, I guess that only leaves us to wrap this puppy up in a neat little blanket. All right. The next Winging It will air January 23rd. New Birds of a Feather, January 30th. So one week later, you see how that works? Every single week, you get us. Isn't that, isn't that something? I think we mentioned that at the beginning. Maybe I'm times, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And where can you hear? Well, Apple Podcasts is great. Spotify, uh, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, CastBox, Geo7, and uh, more. And well, it's been a kick in the head, as Frank would say. Oh, my. But uh, that only leaves for you to say... Let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.